Welcome to Live Let Thrive, a podcast about the Airbnb life, the share economy, and everything in between. Here are your hosts, Micah and Steve. Hello, hello, hello. And welcome back to another exciting episode of Live Let Thrive. What is up, Micah man? I'm chilling, Stevie Stacks. How you doing? Doing good. This is episode 125 of your favorite Airbnb, Share Economy, VRBO, all that fun stuff podcast. And we're getting you through this um, tough time right now. And hope, hopefully we're providing some good content for y'all. And we're going to do it again. We have a special guest, the mighty SDG, Sarah Doan Glidewell. And real quick, real quick backstory on Sarah, if I don't mess this up. She is 25 years old and moved to Texas four years ago. And her and her husband travel a lot, uh, about a minimum of two weekends a month. And so they started renting out their apartment on the weekends when they traveled. They saw how easy it was and how much money they were making from just two weekends a month. So they decided in November to rent another unit in the same complex and start renting it out full time. After three months of success, she was ready to move and scale up. She's ready to scale up and open three more in three weeks. Holy crap. Opening up three Airbnbs in three weeks was a huge push, and she was so excited with all their efforts bringing in profit. Then, <laughs> the weekend, they opened up, opened them up to stayers. That's a word. She, she used that word, not me. Uh, corona really hit hard, and <laughs> everything went silent. A lot of y'all can relate to that. It's been a ton of pivoting and experimenting, but they have managed to rent, make rent for both March and April. And here she is in the flesh, Sarah Doan Glidewell. What's up, Sarah? <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> Hope I didn't mess that up too bad. No, you did well. <laughs> I did Glidewell? Glidewell well? Yep, that's spot on. <laughs> <laughs> spot on. There you <laughs> yeah. yeah, matter of fact, we uh, met Sarah because she actually hit us up. She actually tagged us in a uh, in IG IG video, IG uh, story. So I shout did. out to her for not only promoting us, but tagging us. And see, now she's on the show. Yeah, yeah. You guys were a, a big influence when I first started thinking about getting into it just because I had absolutely no experience other than like renting them out on the weekends. So I was like, if we're going to experiment some more i need some more input and your podcast was the first one that popped up so we were like all right we're gonna listen to every single one of these until we've got a grip (laughs) dreams really do come true sarah (laughs) so so let's hop to it so how many uh how many airbnbs do you have managed do you arbitrage by what's your story um so right now we have four units uh we have one in fort worth in the same complex that i live in and then we have three in dallas um, all of them are arbitrage, all of them I'm just renting, but, um, I have a management company that was a requirement for us to scale up because I didn't want to quit my full-time job for it, um, because I love my full-time job. So it had to be something that could be automated really quickly. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I had mentioned, we opened up three, right in three weeks. I was like, had such a fantastic experience opening up the first one here in Fort Worth in the first three months, we immediately, you know, we're making profit and had made back everything that we had spent from the get go. And so I was like, you know what, we spent all of 2019 just stacking capital and we were going to throw it at something. And so we decided to throw quite a bit of it at Airbnb and (laughs) we scaled up really fast with a ton of optimism and 
of course, as we all know now, it, uh, the travel industry came to a screeching halt. <laughs> okay. Before I get to the coronavirus questions and tips and tricks for not only you, our listeners, whatever for us, what company, what management company are you using? Um, I use a management company out of DFW called Local Estates, local spelled with a K. Um, they originated out of Oklahoma. Um, and then I think the CEO, Mariah, she decided that Dallas just had a better market for Airbnb. And so she packed up all of her stuff there and moved here and started doing it here. And it's been great. Wow. Wow. So, and you said you're a, naturally an interior designer. So you, have you designed for other Airbnbs or are you just doing them for yourself for now? Well, currently just for myself. Um, but originally the plan was to scale up my own Airbnbs and just design my own as quickly as possible because we had quite a bit of capital saved up. Um, and I mean, the coronavirus, the, the timing was impeccable because even though it was kind of crappy that we had opened up three and it hit, I mean, if it would have hit a year later, like my plan going in was just like, I was listening to your podcast and I was listening to people who had like done 79 in a year and all these crazy numbers. And I was like, man, I can do that. Like, it's going to be no problem. I'm ambitious. I can figure it out. And so I was just going to start dumping every amount of profit I made into new ones, into new ones, into new ones. And if that would have been the case, like if I would have continued down that path and coronavirus would have happened 2021, I would have had, you know, 20 some properties theoretically and nothing saved up to pay any sort of rent for a month or two months or whatever it would have you know resulted in or however long this is going to last so mm. now we're pivoting <laughs> now I'm we're rethinking our up. strategy <laughs> i'm happy you brought that up because it is i now see the importance of having three to six months reserve three months i say minimum for airbnb short-term rentals for mm -hmm. you know that reserve so at this point like what you said you're pivoting what are you doing to pivot well so when we when it first hit um i still had some in savings that I hadn't spent on the new Airbnb. So I, I felt okay. I was like, we can make it two months um, without making any profit at all and be all right. Um, but I was like, this, you know, this isn't going to be something that's never going to happen again. Like the economy in the course of my lifetime or our lifetimes, it's going to collapse again. And when I went into 2020, our mine and my husband's word was failure. We were like, we're going to spend 2020 just, eating our shit sandwich like we're gonna we're just gonna fail as fast as we possibly can because we just want to get it out of the way and so for us even though it was really unfortunate that you know it happened when it did uh we were just like you know what we went into 2020 expecting chaos to happen and we just you know wanted to have that mentality that we could be tenacious and pivot and figure out new ways to go about it so um I was down, I was barking down my management company's throat because I was like, we're going to try every single option in the book to try and make something work. And so they started focusing on long-term stayers, which a lot of people did. They started targeting like travel nurses or um, people who are displaced or, you know, the pretty standard move, I guess, that most people did. And then for my units personally, I started offering like date night packages, like Corona safe date night packages. <laughs> um, because all of a sudden, like my husband's birthday is in April. And there were so many people that I knew that were trying to celebrate these really fantastic life events that they no longer could celebrate them. And so I was like, 
well, maybe I can like put together a package that had like popcorn and uh, I don't know anything that you'd want in a date night, like a bottle of champagne and, and offer it as an add on and see if that could draw more of our local community and seeing everyone who's flying in no longer is. Um, so we saw yeah. a little bit of traffic from that too. You're actually making a spot where these um, Corona babies can be made. <laughs> right. <laughs> that was the goal. <laughs> I to, uh, let me let me uh, let me pivot from that. And uh, real quick, so where did y'all where are y'all from? You said you came here four years ago from. Um, so oh. I'm originally from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Oh, cool. Um, and then when I grew, I grew up hating the snow. Like I just did not understand why my parents managed to like spend their entire lives having seven months of snow every single year. And so when I graduated college, I knew I wanted to be down south. Um, and so I googled what state paid the most for interior designers, and it was the great state of Texas. So here we are. <laughs> nice. And what another thing that jumped out at me, and so you're saying that y'all decided we're gonna we're gonna you know <laughs> eat the failure shit sandwich whatever the first year y'all are doing all this stuff and that's and what what's really cool about that is most um spouses on either end you know and i i just i just know from my experience with um with the ladies and <laughs> that, that a lot of them that that I've, I've come across they don't want they don't want to take any chances. They want to play it safe and they get upset. If, you, if someone has a dream, Hey, I want to try this. I want to try that. Oh no, but this is going to happen. This is going to happen. We're going to, we're going to, you know, we're going to go bankrupt. We're going to fail, but you are encouraging that and, and to take chances. Each of you are encouraging each other to take chances. That's cool. That's like the fertile ground for like success right there. That's awesome. Yeah. And that, I mean, Airbnb wasn't the first time we had jumped off a cliff per se with, stuff like this. Um, my husband and I both, I think the reason we work so well together is because both of us are extremely entrepreneurial. Um, and so I think in 2017 or 18, um, my husband and his now business partner um, were working for an insurance agency out of Dallas and they had just tossed around again, jumping off a cliff and starting their own and seeing if they could make it work and be their own boss and have autonomy and and they had talked about it for a year and a half and we were on a two week road trip and Ethan and Kenny were just tossing it back and forth again. And I finally was like, guys, if you're going to jump off the cliff, jump off the cliff, like quit, like either quit talking about it or we're calling your boss right now and we're quitting. And we were in California somewhere and they called their boss that day and quit. And so it was wow. just a period of two years of building that up that finally, when I decided I wanted to try and pursue Airbnb, Ethan was like, well, it's your turn. <laughs> <laughs> Shit or get off the pot, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's funny. I like that because me and my wife are going through that transition. She's actually in the garage setting up her gym because she's about to go full-blown home gym training. Yeah. So, yeah, you got you to gotta support. Once you get that support behind each other, you can't stay, fail. So Yeah, yeah. It almost gets fun. I mean, the, the bigger risks, you're like, are we absolutely insane or, or is this what just keeps our life interesting? Like, you know, some people are pushing out babies and we're over here pushing out businesses and <laughs> just seems to be what we're more drawn to, I suppose. But we love it. Businesses that encourage babies to be pushed out. There you go. <laughs> um, another thing. So, so you, you, lived in a, you lived in a spot in Fort Worth, an apartment, apartment complex. Mm-hmm. And then um, started written out part time out of your own apartments, apartment complex and then apartment unit. And then you bought it. You not bought. You rented another one, right? 
yeah. in order to do Airbnb. So first of all, first question is, do, do, do the apartment, did the departments know or did you tell them or, or are they, do they allow it? Well, that was <laughs> that was one of the big learning curves on the first three months um, of just kind of jumping into it because I just have the worst time trying to play it safe or trying to make sure that I'm doing the, the legal thing or the right thing. I suppose I'm just like would rather ask forgiveness than permission. <laughs> um, and so I just rented out a second unit and I mean... I didn't say Airbnb specifically when I rented out this the second unit, um, but I said that we were going to be doing short-term or long-term rentals because at the time I didn't really know what it was going to blossom into. And so they were like, look, if you're making your rent payments, we don't, we don't care. Ooh. And so I was like, okay, if you say so. And so I signed another residential lease. And this is pre-knowing that corporate leases even were a thing. And um, so I signed a second lease and then the management company that allowed me to sign the second lease left. They got pushed out and they brought in a new management company and that new management company was not a fan. <laughs> they, were like, <laughs> they were like, what are you doing with this apartment complex? And all of a sudden, or this unit, I was, I was just like, I don't, I don't, I mean, why are you asking me these questions? Like, is this an issue? And so they were going to kick me out. Like we had the conversation. I like put all my cards on the table. I was like, look, this is what we're doing. I had no idea. They allowed me to rent this unit out. I'm so sorry. Cause I didn't, I just had no idea. And, um, so I had to essentially fill out paperwork to break my lease. Um, and I was going to move it to a different apartment complex in the area because I could see on Airbnb that there were several other apartment complexes in the area that had 30, 40, 50 units on Airbnb. Damn. And so I was like, what am I missing? Like, how am I not figuring it out? And so then I go to break my lease and um, I start going to the other apartment complexes and some of them here allow it. Some of them don't. Um, but I was ready to move my unit into a complex that allowed it. Um, <laughs> and then just as I was about to move, um, the management company that had just come in got fired. And so they bring in <laughs> another management company and I'm like, goodness gracious. Like I just jumped through hoops to, to solve this issue. But if I don't have to move all my furniture and I don't have to change my pictures and I can keep all my reviews and my soup, you know, my status, I just would prefer to do that. And so I went down there and I had my management company come with me because they have a little bit more of a, um, reputation, I suppose, than I do on being a reputable company to manage Airbnbs and apartment complexes. And they were all for it. They were like, yeah, we don't, we don't care if you continue on. So they canceled my notice to move out. And now we're back in the clear, I guess, for now. <laughs> so your, your other units are, do you, did you tell them that it was a corporate lease or the, so the other units, um, the management company that I hired, she brought them to me. So she's got connections in Dallas of um, small apartment complexes that are brand new that essentially they take a year and a half, two years to reach full capacity once they open up and that's money lost for them. So they come to her, these developers come to her and they say, hey, we want to give you 20 units, 40 units, whatever it is, and you fill up with your clients. And so the units that I have there, there are other Airbnb hosts um, in the same units next to me that also are running theirs. I'm happy you brought that up. So that is a tip for everyone. If you do see new build apartments, 
you can easily get units in those. I've I've done it in like yeah, Grand Prairie is a good one. Like if they got all yeah. the high rises coming, yeah, th- those people they sit on vacant units. They're losing money when they first open. If you go yeah. and tell them, hey, give me five, they'll more than likely give you five units. Damn. Um, right. Yeah. So another question: Do you list on other platforms besides Airbnb? Yeah. Yeah. We started, I mean, right when coronavirus happened, that was the first move that uh, myself and the management company made was we were just like, we're going to flood every single platform that we possibly can be on because we just want to have as many touch points as we we possibly can have. So um, we're on all the short-term rental ones and a few of the long-term rental ones like Furnish Finders. Um, But I really want to start looking at um, getting on platforms to rent it out to like photographers or maybe small venues and such because the design behind all of mine like the design for me is my favorite part like I could do that a million times over and just be happy as a clam for the rest of forever if I just got to do these rapid designs Mm -hmm. and whenever I'm designing them it's always because I'm 25 and a female I just want them to be Instagrammable (laughs) 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 and so a lot of like um, places that I see people doing in-home engagement sessions or senior photos. A lot of times they're in like these really cute, quaint, boutique-style apartments, and that's exactly what I feel like mine look like. So that's going to be something that you know, once photography starts coming back a little bit, um, I want to start targeting those people because I think that would be a lot of fun. Check out uh, our our last episode with Siona McIntyre. Uh, she actually talked about peer space. So definitely check out Blue Space. I listened to that podcast today and I wrote it down. So (laughs) we'll be looking at it. (laughs) All right. So um, I want to jump into the design real quick. So you're, you you know, you're interior designer. And so setting up a unit um, and what, what, first of all, what kind of units do you look for? One bedroom, two bedroom? Well, so, I mean, my experience with Airbnb so far has only been one, one bed, one baths. Um, and that's one of those things that like a lot of times when I have conversations with people, they're like, how do you decide what size unit you want? Because I have a lot of people who are asking me who are thinking about getting into it themselves. Um, and other than listening to your podcast, I don't really have, um, an idea of which ones I should be targeting. So that's something that's, um, on the horizon of a learning curve for us as well. But, um, so far it's just been one bed, one bath. Okay. So, and, and so how much does it take for you to, um, to, um, furnish one of those design and furnished? So, I mean, we could do it for a thousand bucks, you know, we could flip it. Fully just, furnished. Yeah. Fully furnished. I'm sure we could throw some really cheap furniture in there. And the management company that I'm working with when we were designing these, uh, uh, units of mine, I'm putting in about four grand a piece. Um, but the, the investors that she has where she does the design for him, a lot of times they'll give her a thousand bucks and she's like, all right, you get a bed and a couch and a TV and that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so for, for me personally, I try and keep it around 3,500, four grand. Um, and, and that seems to be what we're comfortable with currently. And how do you furnish it with cool stuff for that price range? Um, so I use almost a hundred percent. Wayfair and Amazon Home, um, mostly because Wayfair they have really fantastic discounts for designers. So anytime that I put you know a quote together, I can send it off to the professional rep that's assigned to me, and he usually sends back a huge discount on it as well. Um, 
So that's been a huge, a huge help for us. And I'm just like, I'm ready to be like Wayfair's PR person. I'm like, can you just, can we just photograph all my spaces and I'll rep you guys because I'm so diehard Wayfair. Um, and their customer service is incredible. I just didn't think anyone would compare to Amazon and they're, they might beat them. <laughs> and, and so what, I mean, do they ask for proof that you're an interior designer? How does that work? Yeah, they wanted uh, my work email. And my work email is Rogue Architects. So it, it specified enough for them, Ooh. I guess, for them to think that, you know. See, I know Mike is, the wheels in Michael's head is turning. He's like, he's thinking of a, making an email that has architects in it and get some, <laughs> right. get some big fat discounts. Oh, no, yes. I'm, actually, uh, I'm actually putting together design sets on Amazon Home. I'm like, uh, I, I got a new unit coming. I'm like, I need to throw something in that. I like that. I, I need to, I'm looking for one of them uh, pull-out couches. So I'm thinking about doing a uh, Murphy bed, but those things are expensive. Oh, man. Yeah. Dude, I'm like, seriously, $5,000 for a wall on the bed? <laughs> that on the wall <laughs> tripping man but no I yeah, like that. that's a good idea all right all right so so we can dive in more into the design okay we got the furniture you got the stuff you need how, are you more of like a minimalist designer what do you how do you set up a place just give us like a brief walkthrough so i mean designing three in three weeks was really hard because i felt like i used up my creative juices on the first one <laughs> and then the next two i was like holy cow i don't know that i have it in me um, but my favorite thing about Airbnb or one of the best things for me that, um, that came with Airbnb is that I really don't have anyone that I'm specifically designing for, um, which is the hardest part about being an interior designer is because you have your personal taste and then you have your client and their taste. And it's always a push and pull of, you know, how do I cater to what they think they want, but then articulate what you know they need. Um, and with Airbnb, without having a specific client and you're really just dealing with the general public or maybe the community that you're in a little bit, um, you kind of get to go willy nilly and design it however you want. And that's, that's the most exciting part is for me, there's not a whole lot of consistency between my designs. I mean, I suppose a lot of them are maybe a little feminine or, or youthful, I suppose, but every single one is vastly different. So there's not really like a theme or, or a common ground on any of them. I just want all of them to be a very different experience. Mm, interesting. And do you offer your services to other Airbnbers? So that's been part of the pivot as well. Um, when I realized that I couldn't, you know, do 20 million in a year and just deplete all of my profits and, you know, throw it right back into a new unit, I was like, okay, well, if that's not the case, eventually I still would love this to, to go somewhere and I still love that fast-paced design. And if I can't do it for myself, how can I continue doing it? Um, and so I started talking to people about um, how other people were doing it or if anyone was, was doing it. And a lot of the common thread on the podcast that I listen to from you guys is the hardest part to automate is the design portion of it. Um, so the management company that I have, the CEO, she does a lot of the designs for the investors that use her company to manage their properties. Um, and she just charges them some sort of a flat rate. Um, and then obviously the cost of the, the furniture. And so I started thinking about doing that and I started reaching out to a few of my friends who I thought might be interested in, um, investing because I mean, at 25, when you're 25 years old, you don't really think that you can invest. Like you expect investing to be something that's going to cost, you know, tens of thousands of dollars and you don't even know where to begin. Like it's just this foreign thing that you think that you might get to when you're like 
50 years old. Um, but in our experience now, we're like, man, anyone with five grand could do this and just automate their, their Airbnb. And if they wanted to throw five grand at it or seven grand or whatever they had, they could have this thing that was automated. So um, I started reaching out to people that were my age and I was like, hey, you know, I, I know that you've got a little bit of money set aside. I know that you really don't know what to do with it. This might be something you want to look at in addition to, I want to design it. (laughs) (laughs) And so that's kind of the conversations that I've started having over quarantine. So I think we've got some traction on that and hopefully um, a few of the conversations are going to go somewhere, but I want to expand it from there. You know, I want, I want the design portion to be hopefully my niche. I got five on it. So there you go. (laughs) I can throw it at you. I'm right down the road. (laughs) So people literally give you pushback on the design they want. Uh, uh, Well, are these Airbnb hosts or are they just random? No, just an interior design in general. So, okay. I mean, if you're just like working for anyone who has a home, like say you're doing residential design specifically, you've always got a client and you're trying to make their home beautiful. And at the end of the day, their opinion is what matters. And so you, you sometimes lose your, your portion of it or your voice in it because you're always focused on making sure that the client is happy because at the end of the day, that's top priority. Um, so, you know, when we started interior design school, you go because you think that, you know, the Sims game is fun and you really like designing your bedroom or rearranging it 12 times as a kid. Mm -hmm. And then when you get older, you realize that, you know, it's more so, uh, listening skills and being able to help someone navigate their own design as opposed to doing your own. Um, me, I wouldn't care what you designed as long as you did it. If you gave, if I gave you 5,000, you can hook my spot up because like, do whatever you want. I don't care what the design is, but yeah, I see what you're saying though. Their personal feelings are in it. Cause I like that picture behind you. I see it looks like your own apartment's fully decked out. So yeah, yeah I'd let you, if I ever pick up some in DFW, I'll call you. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> and so, and so when you started to design and you started making your Airbnbs, did you, did you fill them like with a bunch of goodies at first or did you, is there like you put like a bunch of coffees and snacks and teas and you like started pulling back some, maybe I don't need to put this cause people ain't using it. What did you figure out by doing all that? Yeah, for sure. That's pretty much exactly what happened. So when I uh, first opened the full-time one in Fort Worth here in our apartment complex, I was managing it by myself for the first three months. So Um, if I would have someone checking out and checking in on the same day, I would have to leave my office, um, drive to my apartment complex, clean it, get it ready, and then go back to work. Um, which was fine for the first three months because I just, you know, had no idea that management companies even existed. (laughs) Um, but my whole thing was I really wanted mine to be an experience. Like my, when I get on Airbnb, the first thing I'm always looking for is something that's vastly different from a hotel. Like I want to be staying in a tree house or, or I don't know, an Airstream or something wild. And so obviously you can't really do that with an apartment complex, but I wanted to make sure that I offered um, like a personal touch, I suppose. So people who were visiting really got a Fort Worth experience. Um, so we would pick up like craft beer from local breweries or um, if it was like Valentine's Day, we'd fill the room with like rose petals and bath bombs and, you know, spoil the guests, which resulted in really fantastic reviews. But I mean, when you start growing and automating, those things kind of get pushed aside. <laughs> oh, that's cool. So what are like, what are some of the things you cut? I mean, you know, obviously the rose petals and um, <laughs> like, I mean, do, do you, 
do you put a lot of snacks and teas and coffee? What, I mean, what are the things you put and you like no longer do? Um, yeah, it was mostly like the, the novelty items that we quit doing. We still do coffee. We still do tea. Um, we make sure that there's salt and pepper and, um, shampoo, conditioner, a blow dryer, kind of the standard things that you're always going to find in a hotel. Um, but anything that is a specialty item, we've stopped doing other than if somebody wants that date night package for coronavirus, <laughs> that's now being offered as well. <laughs> Rona date. And, and your reviews didn't suffer that much from taking things away. No, not too much. Um, with the Fort Worth unit, not, not a whole lot. I mean, we've had really great stayers and our Fort Worth unit is the one that's had the most traction on long-term stayers too. Um, which was surprising to me. I mean, I guess, I should have expected it because we're right next to quite a few hospitals, but, um, yeah, it wasn't too bad. Cool. Cool. And so what is, um, something that, I don't know, maybe like, a, a Sarah touch that sets you apart from other designers or other cool spots. What do you do different than, than other places? Ooh, well, I think I'm still figuring it out to be honest. Um, but when I go about designing these apartments, one, it's, it's, you've got a small budget, so nothing's going to be super extravagant by any means. But two, you still want it to stand out in the pictures. Like, the only way that you're going to stand out from any other Airbnb in the area is if the pictures that you take of your unit um, jump out at people. And so, for me, in the units that I have in Dallas, my big focus was making sure that there was something large on a wall that stood out, that, like, would jump at you. And so, the unit that I have in Bishop Arts... That's been my little, you know, saving grace throughout this coronavirus. I painted like these giant, big black and white stripes on the wall. And then I have like these bright pink velvet chairs. Mm. And, and then I painted all the rest of the walls jet black. And then we have this big gold canopy bed. Um, so in comparison to every other apartment complex where the walls are white, mine are black. And that seems to, I don't know if that's the reason it has a lot of traction or or what it is, but that one above all my other units just has the most traffic. That is a wow. fact. I tell people, people if, I tell people, if you paint your walls outside of white on Airbnb, it stands out automatically. Yeah. Good idea. Yeah. It's pain in the butt to do, but it's worth it in the end. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you use professional photos uh, for all your places, all your listings. Yeah. Um, so when I first got into this, um, the management company that I hired said that they had a photographer that they have used in the past, but um, they would have to reach out to him and see if he was still doing it. And I have no idea who that guy was, but um, I had a friend who was an, or who is an incredible interiors photographer in Michigan who went to school with me for photography. And so I personally really wanted her to shoot my photos because I just know the obsessive amount of attention to the detail she puts into these photos um, and so when MJ, um, the management company was opening up all these other units besides mine in the same complex, I figured that there was going to be several other units that were going to need to be photographed as well. And so for my friend, who's also young and just starting her photography business, I was like, man, I wonder if I could get my management company to advertise you as opposed to this other guy that they don't seem that loyal to. And my management company went for it. So they flew her down and she got to photograph all of the units, um, mine included, and that's who did them. So that was a lot of fun to be able to partner with her almost immediately. Wow. You used an artist 
to to make it look beautiful. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, well, it was already beautiful, but you know, it enhanced it. It, it yeah, <laughs> it captured its spirit, its essence. Right. <laughs> and um, so, how do you? How are you promoting right now? The um, like, of course, people are are worried about how clean these places are because of the coronavirus. How are you? How are you putting that front and center? This is what we do. This is how we clean and make sure that you know put people at ease. Yeah. Um, so my management company added, I think, two photos to all of our um, listings where it just lists out their cleaning process um, and that they're guaranteed to be virus free. <laughs> um, so that they put front and center like they, you have the photo that captures people as people's attention. And then the next photo when you scroll is the photo of the certified cleaning situation. So, so far we haven't really had anyone that seems scared about it. Like we haven't had any stayers that have stayed in the last two months that have even questioned whether it's like been vacant for a long time or anything. You know what I'm noticing too? I think the people that are traveling right now are the people that just don't give a f- <laughs> I, mean, I, I really, I'm serious. Like, yeah, are, I, they know, like I've, I've had the same thing. I'm like, man, are these people worried? Just, they come <laughs> in, chill, roll out. You know, I'm like, dang, I, th- I don't think they care. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. Yep, that's the same thing with my husband and I. We're having a really hard time just staying still. We've done a little bit of traveling through this whole thing too, and so I'm just assuming all the other stairs are just like us. <laughs> so y'all, y'all have actually traveled during this? We yeah, we have. We've gotten a lot of heat for it too, of course. Um, but yeah, we we spent two weeks in Michigan with my family, um, which really resulted in us seeing less people than we would if we stayed in Fort Worth because at my parents' house, they've got deep freezers full of meat and we didn't have to leave at all. Mm. Um, but we were in Phoenix this past weekend um, visiting some colleagues. And then we also kind of segue into our next Airbnb adventure. We went down to South Texas and we bought a Volkswagen bus. Whoa. Um, yeah, on a whim. <laughs> Everybody in the, the rest of the world is saving their pennies when we're out here buying vehicles. But um, the wow. goal with that, hopefully, um, is one, we're going to do a lot of traveling in it, I think, this summer uh, because it's super reliable and it's got a new engine in it. So it's theoretically going to be able to drive across the country. But um, long term with it, we really want to rent out a campground or a campsite at a campground for the entire summer and then set up like a glamping situation um, awesome. and then just put a boot on it or something and and let people stay in it that is cool yeah you're gonna deck it out big time i'm sure <laughs> i hope so <laughs> <laughs> we gotta get that old smell out of it first and then we'll be ready for stairs <laughs> maybe people like that smell you never know <laughs> right it adds to the experience <laughs> With everything going on right now, because I know there's a question that I've been asked, so I want to ask you, do you plan on expanding more into more short-term rentals, or what's your goal after all this? Yes, definitely. I still want to expand. Um, I still think that there's room for growth even this year. Um, it's just going to be a slower growth. Like For me to save three months rent, I mean, if you're looking at rent is about anywhere between 1000 and 1500 a month, and you're earning that in profit, a month you really only have to slow down maybe three months before you open up a new one per property so I think we're still gonna be able to grow and I don't think it's gonna be that much of a, a setback to have to save up three to six months rent um, per unit but I mean outside of 
us opening up our own, I think we just want to start exploring more experience-based ones. Because now that I've started looking into like glamping rentals or RV rentals, that seems to be potentially more profitable than short-term apartment rentals. So yeah. I don't know. Unique spaces are the hot spot. That is a yeah. fact. That is a fact. I, I guess it's a lot of it is so much competition in the, you know, one bedroom, two bedroom apartments people are renting out or, or houses, you know, it's, it's like, it got, well, I don't know about now because Corona is going to eliminate a lot of uh, competition, but yeah, it got saturated for a while. So you see something like a VW bus and you're like, holy crap, that'd be awesome, you know? And so right. yeah, you find your niche real quickly. Um, man, how much does the management um, company charge you? So my management company charges 15%. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, which isn't too bad. And then that doesn't include the cleaning fee, though. The cleaning fee just goes directly to the cleaner. Um, but, yeah, so far, I mean, with the amount that the management company does for us, like they run ads for us, which has been amazing through this entire coronavirus thing. They run a bunch of uh, Facebook and YouTube ads and Instagram ads, I guess, and um, every time they tell us that they're running an ad for us, it's like the next three days are just swamped with bookings. Um, and they don't charge it, us for it. So I just almost feel like my 15% goes directly into advertisement. Um, <laughs> how, how much do they charge just for the advertisement piece? Right. Like they don't charge me anything extra for the advertisement. So I'm like, wait a minute, What's <laughs> they're just making any money. <laughs> Local estates, right? Oh yeah. Yes. I'm giving them a call. <laughs> yeah, you should. <laughs> I've been thrilled with them. They've done a great job. So you you pivoted. You found long term renters, and, and um, are these travel nurses or, or what kind of? Or who are these renters? Yep, we've had some travel nurses, um, and then the one that I've got right now, I think, from what I can tell, is either doing a residency or is still in school. And the communication's been with this girl's parents, so I think the girl's parents are paying for it, but. That's been a, she's staying for three months and that's been great. That's put at least one of my properties at ease for oh, the time awesome. being. Those are the best tenants. The ones whose parents are paying for everything. I've had a couple <laughs> of those. I'm like, yeah, there's some good tenants. <laughs> yeah. So, so where in Michigan are you from? Ooh, I'm from, <laughs> hold on. Let's see if we can do it here. All right. I'm from this side. So we've got Detroit over here and I'm on this side. Okay, so everybody, everybody, I have, I have my buddy, uh, I was in a band and my, my guitarist is from Michigan, so, so yeah, they always do this, they always put their <laughs> hand up. And, yeah. Um, so Detroit, you ever thought about investing in Detroit, buying a house for like a thousand bucks? Yeah, so the photographer that just took my uh, Airbnb photos, she just bought a house in Detroit. And she bought it on, I think she lives on 11 miles, so it's not, <laughs> it's not the best neighborhood in the world. But um, she got it for a killer deal. And and she's loving it. We went and visited her when we were up there. And, I mean, she just loves the area. Like, Detroit's really making a comeback in comparison to what it was a few years ago. So I have a guy that I mastermind with, man. He is killing it in Detroit. Like, people say really? stay away from Detroit. He's buying everything on the block, putting it on Airbnb. He's, like, he's pretty much revamping neighborhoods. I'm like, dang, I should have hopped on that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I agree. Though. Yeah, so that place is seeing a lot of growth. <laughs> I thought Airbnb had um, Detroit had an Airbnb ban. They ain't about to enforce it. They got more uh, important stuff to do. <laughs> more important <laughs> stuff. All that solve all the murders or what? <laughs> yeah, man. People steal houses in Detroit. They got other <laughs> stuff to worry about. 
Yeah, they're wild up there. <laughs> so, so, so Sarah, you never got any grief from um, from the city of Fort Worth because apparently that's it's illegal to do it in Fort Worth too. So, yeah, I um, well originally pre Airbnb because my husband and I come up with a new idea that we're going to chase every single day and some of them stick and some of most of them don't. Um, but originally, right before we started Airbnb, we were looking at opening up a wedding venue. Um, cause that was the original dream, right? Is to just be able to create some space that's absolutely magical and, and allow people to get married in it. And so we started, uh, plugging into near South side Inc because I live on the near South side. And, um, just all the conversations that I was having with people, it just seemed like everybody knew someone who was also doing Airbnb. And so when I started looking into it and seeing that, um, Airbnb was banned here and not allowed here, um, I started asking questions cause I was like, wait a minute, you know, all of these people can't also not know that. Um, and so they were saying, at least from what I've heard is that it's really only banned in hundred percent residential areas. Um, so if you're in an apartment complex like we are and where we're located, we're so close to downtown that we're just surrounded by restaurants and bars. So it's not considered a completely residential area. So I think per the city code, it's okay. I think. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Better ask for forgiveness, right? I've right. Heard, yeah, I've heard it was a um, – I heard it was cool in certain spots because I, I, I used to manage one out in Fort Worth and I heard – multifamilies was cool as well but i've never heard nobody ever said they got enforced on anything so for work yeah well and when i was hunting around for a management company that was a question that i was asking every single person and a lot of people one in particular i don't even remember who it was at the time but they said that they um, managed for a couple of police officers in Fort Worth. And so I was like, well, what do the police officers have to say about it? Like, obviously they know that there's some sort of restrictions on it. And he was like, at least from their perspective, he was like, they have no interest in managing that. Like they've got bigger fish to fry. And unless you've got a neighbor that's complaining consistently about, you know, massive parties being thrown in the house next to them or excessive noise, then they have no interest in regulating it. That's true, man. Even like, you know, Arlington banned Airbnb, whatever. Yeah. But, uh, even the cops. Remember, we were in the, uh, we went to the little hearing down at the uh, state ha- city courthouse, and even the cop was in there. He was like, I don't see the big deal. I get more calls from people, long term renters and homeowners than I do from Airbnb guests. But I was like, mm-hmm. and they, they see it too. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, that was a money play. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> money play all day, man. Oh, is <laughs> So, so have you had any complaints from neighbors about doing Airbnb? Uh, so far, I haven't had any complaints about neighbors. I've had some annoying guests that have like, originally when it was kind of uh, a gray area as to whether I was allowed to do it in Fort Worth or not, I had a couple stairs that like couldn't figure out the check-in process and went in through the leasing office and talked to the leasing management team. And that always turns into something ridiculous. But um, other than that, I haven't had any, like my, the leasing company downstairs or the management team has just been like, we've had no complaints, so you can keep going. So I guess I've had relatively quiet stairs. Yeah. My, uh, my, one of mine got shut down because someone went to the uh, leasing office. This is one of my first ones. And, uh, she went to pick up a pair of flip flops. I was like, man, my old <laughs> unit got shut down for five dollars, man. Come on. 
<laughs> but I, it happens. Uh, yeah. It happens. So you said you, you still you still want to actively look for new Airbnbs. And so how but how has coronavirus changed your your plans if if at all? Have they changed it any any at all? I mean, besides slowing down the scaling process because at first pre-coronavirus, we were our goal was to get at least 12 by the end of the year. Um, and that's why we had a big push right in March because we were like, it's about one a month. That's totally doable, but we're, you know, three months behind. So we have to push these three out really quickly. Um, and besides scaling back at this point um, to a slower pace where we actually have three to six months saved up, it's just going to be now really doubling down and trying to get um, either people who want to start investing or current hosts to try and start hiring me to design theirs. Um, which right now, what I was hopeful or what I was looking forward to doing is since the management company has other hosts in the same complex as I am that didn't invest hardly any money into designing theirs at all, <laughs> I wanted to see, I wanted to be able to compare the numbers. Like I wanted to look at the profit that they were bringing in, the price point that they were at, the amount of nights that theirs were rented out in comparison to mine and see what kind of a price point difference it is. Um, if it makes sense for me to continue on spending a whole lot of time doing design or if I need to scale it up and make them more extravagant for us to see a difference in profit or, you know, what that looks like. So um, right now, I mean, other than trying to find people who are my age who want to throw a little bit of money at something that can be automated pretty easily, I want to start getting some numbers together and be able to actually have a pitch <laughs> that has some bones behind it, I suppose, that um, is a little more persuasive to people um, to use my design as opposed to just starting it on their own. So during this time, are you profitable, breaking even, or are you like losing and trying to figure out another way? Well, so last month we were on track to break even. Um, and right at the very beginning of coronavirus happening, um, the management company and the tax guy that I used both sent me the same link to an SBA grant that I could apply for. Um, so I was, I mean, super pleased with breaking even because I was like, you know what? it could be way worse. I could be paying four rents and have no profit at all. So I was pleased with breaking even, but then that SBA grant I ended up getting. And I was so excited about it because that just meant that like this month, hypothetically, I mean, we're seeing a ton more traffic in the last two weeks than we've seen in the last eight weeks. Um, but that, that grant coming through, I was like, Oh my gosh, that's going to save me next month. <laughs> so we're making profit. still. we're still doing all right. That's good because I I got the grant today and I was shocked I got it. I was like, oh shit, I didn't think I was gonna get it. So yeah, I got it. So I was like, yeah. So yeah, yeah. that is open. So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm happy to hear that. Yeah, so you have I your mean, you have your your business under uh, under an LLC or how do you how does that work? Yeah, um, so I started an LLC in January, um, and that was essentially like I didn't. I wasn't planning on starting an LLC up until I learned that a corporate lease was a thing. Like, I don't know why people don't talk about that more. <laughs> I had no idea. Um, but when I realized that a corporate lease was a thing and I went down to, because I thought that maybe I could just switch over my lease downstairs in the same complex to a corporate lease. Um, but of course the first thing that they check is your, your LLC's credit. <laughs> I didn't have any of that either. So I was mm. like, 
all right, I guess I'll start an LLC and just work on getting credit because eventually I am going to need it. Like I have no complaints with my management company at all right now, but hypothetically down the road, say something were to happen right now, I'm getting all of my properties through my management company. Like they're introducing me to these developers and, and landlords. And so I'm really locked in with her, which thank goodness she's awesome. But I mean, eventually I would like to have the autonomy to be able to be in Europe and doing this or in Australia and doing this or in a different state and doing this. So um, we started an LLC just so I could start building up credit now so that people can't argue with me about it later. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. So just, uh, yeah, once you file two years on it, some credit opportunities just going to be coming to your door. Just keep it up. Good. Listen, see. Good. You can also get those <laughs> credit lines right now, you know, through Home Depot and all that. So, yeah, it's coming. As long as I tell you, we'll build an LLC, you'll build that. Yep. Yeah, thank goodness. It was a pain in the butt to start, but at least it's over with now. <laughs> yeah, and you got that grant from it too. That's good. Yeah, yeah. I didn't think I would qualify for it because one of the stipulations was that your LLC had to be started before 2020. And mine was started mid-January of 2020. And I was like, ah, uh, why? <laughs> so close and I need this money and but they pushed it through so I don't know if there was just so many that they couldn't audit them all or I said um, I was wondering too because after I got mine I was like oh okay I'll take it but damn yeah right I, I was like, oh. right like I just assumed mine would look like a completely fake business because I was like wow I invested all this money and I've seen absolutely no profit like they're know, just gonna trying to make fake. me think like yeah, I hope this doesn't come back to bite us in the ass later, but hey, it is what it is. <laughs> right. We'll be thankful for it now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so so do you um buying real estate? Is do you have buying real estate in your plans? Down the road, yeah. Um it's just so I mean, with my husband and I both are we toe the line of just wanting to quit it all and live out of a backpack and then also want to build empires, you know? There's just like this this hippie business balance with the two of us. Um, and so we can't even get ourselves to buy a house because for ourselves, because we're like, wow, that's really tying us to one place. Um, but with real estate and, and investing in a house, I think it'll come down the road once we start seeing quite a bit of profit from these uh, units that we're just renting, uh, because I really don't want to throw any of my own capital at it until Airbnb makes me that capital and I can put a down payment on it and I'm not really spending my full-time job money on it um so i think that's down the road but it's a ways down it's not in the in the two or five year plan <laughs> okay another quick question about getting that grant do you also get qualify for a loan from the government um i think i would qualify for a loan from the government but the i mean so far we haven't had to use it but kind of a funny thing that worked out was when i was opening up the three that I started right before coronavirus hit, I opened up a business bank account and uh, we were talking about how to build credit with the bank specifically, saying I wasn't going to be able to really start getting credit under my LLC with a credit card until maybe a year or so out. Um, I wanted to build credit with that bank because down the road, if I do want real estate, I want the bank to already know that I'm good to go. Like I'm good for all these payments. And so we did some sort of a loan I couldn't even tell you what type of loan it was, but essentially they, like I gave them 15 grand of my money and then they give me a line of $15,000 of credit. And, um, then I just like slowly pay it back over time. 
Um, so instead of just like spending my 15 grand, I spent theirs and then slowly am paying it back with the money that I handed them to begin with. Um, but that loan didn't come through in time for me when I needed to start buying furniture. Like one thing after another, they got my name wrong and I was in the middle of changing mm. my name from getting married and it just ended up being a whole nightmare. So, um, and you know, I, I signed these leases and I didn't want to be wasting money by waiting on the loan, loan to order this furniture. And so I ended up, instead of using the loan from the bank, I ended up using more of my own money <laughs> to buy the furniture for these three units. So then the loan came through. So now I have this $15,000 loan that I haven't touched throughout this entire thing. So it's there if I need it. But right now it's just sitting. <laughs> mm, nice. That's what's up, man. Yeah, that worked out in my favor. Yeah, <laughs> a hustler. I like that. You and your husband are hustlers. I deal with, I like hustlers. We're SDG. making it up. <laughs> <laughs> Fake it till you make it, right? Yeah. So we keep telling each other. We're like, oh, it's still floating. So we must be doing something right. <laughs> well, this has been a great interview. Thank you for hopping on with us, Sarah. Yeah. And, thank um, you guys. Real quickly, um, why, why are the Ohio State Buckeyes the greatest team ever? <laughs> oh, don't even start with me. <laughs> My brother is currently just graduated from U of M, and so we hate Ohio State with a passion. Oh, ooh, I, I used to like <laughs> you. I used to, I used to like you, Sarah. Oh my god. I like oh, you, Sarah. H. Yeah, no, you don't I like the Buckeyes. I like. You. I don't like. Come them. on, man! How come you don't like the Buckeyes? Come on, man! <laughs> They're just always raising hell. I just can't stand up. <laughs> yeah, always raising they're, hell. <laughs> they raise hell for no reason. They raise hell and then lose. I'm like, I don't I get it. <laughs> them and Michigan State, both of them can just like, hang out the in the same corner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get it. Oh man. Okay. Okay. So real quickly, um, if you could tell our because see you know you're relatively i mean because we interview people that have like i mean 100 200 units all the way down to you know the beginners and you're like right in, in the middle there and so what would you what would you suggest to, to our fans or our listeners that like you know what to go out and you know, like try this i mean why not why you know like you said eat that shit sandwich hopefully they don't have to eat a shit sandwich but um <laughs> what would you suggest they i mean how could they get started you know fairly you know risk-free or low risk and just, you know, and get their feet wet and then get into this? Well, they need to come find me. <laughs> no, I would say, um, I mean, if I was trying to encourage somebody to also jump off that cliff, it's just one of those things that you just have to do it. Like my husband, I had talked about it and talked about it for a couple months and he was like, you're, you're having paralysis by analysis and like, you're just you're thinking about it too much. And if you don't just jump and get into it, you're never actually going to know. Like you're going to think you might know, but you just, you don't know. So let's just jump off the cliff. Like if, if you want to start chasing something, just do it. Just one step at a time. For us, it was building blocks. Like it's just been, you know, what's a tangible thing that we can do that's going to start earning us money. And it's been one small step after another. And I feel like people my age see people who are, way further down the road and they're just like overwhelmed with how much they'd have to do to get there. And, you know, listening to even y'all's podcasts, it's like, I listen to people who are making a million dollars a year doing this. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's so, that's such a big hill to climb. But I mean, once you start doing it, it's just like all of a sudden you look back and you're six months in and you're like, all right, 
we've made way more progress than I thought we would in six months. So my advice is just jump off the cliff. Just do it. <laughs> nice. Make your parachute on the way down, right? <laughs> right. All right. That's awesome. Um, where can folks find you? Um, well, my website is almost done, but it's not quite done yet. So eventually my website will be on my Instagram. But right now, the main point of contact for me are both of my Instagram accounts. So it's at Glidewell Estates and then at Sarah Doan Glidewell. D-O-A-N-E? Yes, sir. Glidewell at Glidewell Estates and at Sarah Doan Glidewell. Awesome. Mm -hmm. We will be linking up for sure. Yeah, I mean, I need I need some spots in Fort Worth and Funky Town. <laughs> yeah, the Fort Worth spots have uh, been uh, flourishing, I suppose. <laughs> There's a little less competition here than there is in Dallas. Oh yeah, big time. Definitely. Yeah, thank uh, you for coming on, and thank you for tagging us. And we're gonna tag you on our story when we when we uh, take this episode live. So definitely thank you thank you for being a listener and thank you for sharing all the knowledge you've been you've had with our fans yeah absolutely thank you guys for having me <laughs> for sure for sure all righty well that was a great episode man and look forward to the next one yep. right. you can uh find us on instagram twitter youtube all that good stuff remember to subscribe leave a like and uh also leave us a rating on itunes hit the subscribe button below <laughs> Peace. Later. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Live, Let, Thrive. Be sure to tune in next week for all the latest in the world of Airbnb and all that entails. Bye bye.